0: Good morning. It's good to see everyone here this morning. As uh, Mike mentioned, we're continuing in a series we've been going over for the past month, month and a half, calling Flirting with Disaster. You know, last week, Brother Mike talked about pride, and he had everybody that thought they had a problem with pride raise their hands, and he said, if you didn't raise your hand, this sermon was for you. Well, if you didn't raise your hand last week, this sermon's for you as well. We're talking about dishonesty this morning, and how dishonesty can get a hold of us. And how it can wrap us up into even greater sins than just being dishonest people. You know, when you think about it today, this whole, a lot of the world is built on dishonesty today. You have people in politics running against each other, lying about each other, trying to get ahead. You have people in business lying to each other, trying to make more money. The world has been built on dishonesty. And it's a problem even within the church. People in the church have been dishonest. You know, there was a guy... Uh, out in Florida, who had permission to use his church's classrooms for a particular, what he said was something that it wasn't. What he was doing, he was running a meth lab out of it, but he said he was going to be doing some things with kids during the day in those classrooms, and what they found out was when the police got there, he was running a meth lab out of it. And he lied to his church saying, no, I'm going to be doing all these things with these kids, and it's going to be a good thing for the community. And when it came down to it, he lied to them and said, "Uh, hey, I'm, I guarantee you if he would have went up to him and said, hey, I'm going to run a math lab out of your church, they would have been all over it. I guarantee you they would have. No, they wouldn't have. That's why he didn't tell them that. Well, when we're flirting with disaster, especially when it comes to dishonesty, let's see what the Bible has to say about dishonesty. In Ephesians 4 and 25, Therefore put away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Put away lying, speak the truth. You know, not all lies are vindictive. Not all lies are intended in a bad way, I believe. Have you ever heard of the kindness of the lie? They deserve the kindness of the lie. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to make them feel bad about themselves. Does that make it any better to lie to them? Or you have the other case where they're going to be brutally honest and they're going to tear you apart and tell you exactly what you're doing wrong? Is that necessarily the way to be either? There's got to be a happy medium in there somewhere where you can still show the love and still be honest with somebody. You know, my dad had a rule in our house, and he had to amend the rule. Because if anybody know Melissa, my sister, we can get get at it pretty well sometimes, especially back then. And my dad said, well, we're just going to make this rule where everybody's going to be honest all the time. I'm like, okay, we can do that. And we used it to say the meanest, nastiest things about each other. When Dad would say something, we go, oh, we're just being honest. <laughs> Does that give us a license just because we're being honest to be mean and heartless and rude? No. There is a way to be kind and still be honest. You don't have to lie to be kind. You can be honest and still have a good heart and be kind about it. And just because you're honest doesn't give you the right to be, as my dad would put it, a real jerk to each other. That's not what that was meant to do. We're supposed to be honest but in a loving way with each other, telling each other the truth, even if it's not something we necessarily want to hear. You know, my granddad was really good at that. He, 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 would, he didn't care if you wanted to hear it or not. He was going to tell you honestly what he thought. I, I sat down with him because we were members of Gunner at the time. And I told him that we were thinking about coming to Denton and that it was closer for us and we could be more involved and things like that. And he goes, well, that all sounds good. And then, here comes the honest part. He goes, I know your attitude. You don't go down there and mess up that good thing they got going down there (laughs) by putting your attitude into it. Because evidently, Mike had talked to him about some of the struggles that had happened when they were building it. And he goes, don't you go up there and mess up all that hard work they did by being you. And I'm like, well, thanks, Granddad. That's a real vote of confidence. But he was honest. He didn't lie to me. He goes, yeah, you can do great things down there, or you can go there and there and there, and you can be a problem don't go down there and be the problem. I didn't necessarily want to hear that, but it was honest. And he didn't do it in a real mean way. I mean, we kind of chuckle about it. Me and my dad would still chuckle about it because my dad was sitting there. and goes, yeah, he really thought really highly of you that day, didn't he? But no, he was being honest. He didn't say it in a mean way. Even if I could have taken it that way, he wasn't in a mean way. He was just giving me a fair warning, kind of. He didn't want to have to come down here and clean up my mess, evidently. But, uh, we're going to go ahead and move on into Luke 16 and 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. You ever heard of the little white lie? Oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a little untrue. It didn't hurt nobody. It didn't hurt anybody. It didn't hurt me. It didn't hurt you. It was just something that was just small, real small. It doesn't really matter. Well, if it's really small, why did you have to say it in the beginning, to begin with? If it's really such a little white lie that it really doesn't matter, why would you even have to utter it to begin with? See, here it says, even if you're ungi- unjust want what is least, you're also unjust as much. It doesn't matter how big of a lie you tell. It doesn't matter as if my family would say it's a big whopper or a little white lie. You know, my dad, whenever he's not sure he's going to believe the story, you're saying, oh, he'll, he'll, he'll go, oh, here comes whopper time. We're about to hear a good whopper here. It doesn't matter if it's the biggest lie you could ever tell or the smallest lie you could ever tell. It's the same in God's eyes. It doesn't matter how big you think it is or how small you think it is. It's the same. Yancey, can I get the... And uh, no matter how small you think it is, it has the ability to affect your life for years to come. It can affect your reputation for years to come. You tell one somebody one small lie and it can affect you, your reputation with that person for the rest of your life. Because you were dishonest with them even if it was the smallest thing. <clears throat> in Proverbs 11 and 1, dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. You know, in my business, scales are very important. Let's say Yancey has a job he wants to pour, and he says, I want 100 yards of concrete, and we'll go, okay, we'll give you 100 yards of concrete, 10 yards on a truck, 10 trucks. And a yard of concrete, if you're going with the cheapest one from our company, runs you about $1,300 for 10 yards. So you divide it, multiply that out over 10 trucks, that's about $130,000. And then we decide, well, we want to make a little bit more money off this. So instead of giving him 10 10 yard trucks, I'm going to give him 10 9 and a quarter yard trucks. That way he has to order another truck and I have to get a, I can get another $1300 out of him. That was a problem in the concrete business for a while. But what the government decided to do at that point because they were paying for some of these contracts and getting shorter concrete, we're going to develop a system where you have to put the weights on your what what each what weight you put in of each material. Because to get a yard of concrete, there's got to be a certain amount of rock, a certain amount of sand, and a certain amount of cement. The water is a variable. You can put as much or little water in it as you want. But it has to have a certain amount of rock, a certain amount of sand, and a certain amount of cement. And they made it to where there's a, on your scales, there's a place where you can adjust the scales. But they made it where it's against the law for you to adjust the scales without having somebody there from the government who is licensed to calibrate scales. So they go in there and see you messing with the scales without having somebody scheduled there to calibrate them. You're in trouble. Why is that? Because people were taking advantage of it. They're like, okay, I can make another thirteen hundred dollars if I just short him three quarters of a yard of concrete on every truck. does that sound like a lot of money to a concrete company that's making one hundred thirty thousand dollars on a pour? No, but it was enough to incentive to go. Hey, I could be a little bit dishonest here and make just a little bit more. And You know what? When you look at it, when you look at it from the top in the truck when you're slumping it, you can't tell the difference between nine and a quarter yards and ten yards. When it's on the ground, you really can't tell the difference between nine and a quarter yards and ten yards. I mean, it's really hard to tell the difference, unless you have one contractor like we had that was actually out there measuring every little centimeter of his pour out there. Then he could pretty well tell you when it was nine or ten yards. But if you're just sitting out there looking at it, you really—it's really kind of hard to tell. And people were getting away with that and making. $1,300 $13, $1,300 extra pour on, let's say, 20 pours a day, six days a week. At the end of the year, you've skimmed about $100 million from your customers, and all you had to do was short them a quarter of a yard of concrete on every truck. Would you do business with somebody like that? No. They're dishonest. Even in business, it is not right to be dishonest. You know... The scales are supposed to look like that. I tell you I'll do this for this price. I do that for that price. You pay me that price, and I do the work. It should be 50-50. The problem is when it comes to people, we want the scales in our favor. I want to make just a little bit more money, or I want to make myself look just a little bit better than you, so I'm going to make t- tell this lie to make the scale tip in my favor just a little bit. And I don't even have to tell you a bald-faced lie. I can just change the truth just a little bit and get that scale to tip in my my favor. Ananias and Sapphira. They wanted the scales to tip in their favor. They were taking a collection for the church, and Ananias and Sapphira said, well, we have this land. We'll sell it, and we'll give it to the church. So they sold the land. And maybe they got a little bit more than what they thought. They go, man, we got quite a bit of money for this land. Maybe they got a little bit more than what they were planning. I don't know. But they decided, hey, we're going to hold this a little bit back, but we're going to act like we're giving the whole thing. That way we look like we're better. That we're doing it just like everybody else. That we're giving everything we have, even though we're going to hold a little bit of this back. So they go up to the apostles and they give them the money. And the apostles ask them, so this is the whole money, all the money for the land you got? They go, yeah, that's all the money we got. The apostles asked him why it was in their hearts the light of the Holy Ghost, and he dropped dead. And then his wife came in a little bit later, and she goes, And you're sure this is all the money you got from that land sale? Yep, same thing, dropped dead. And you know what's amazing about that story? What the apostles said to him goes, When it was your land, was, you could do whatever you wanted to with it. You could have sold it, given half of it to us, given a quarter to it, of it to us. You can give us, give us whatever you wanted. But in order to make yourselves look better, you wanted to act like you gave us everything when you didn't, and you just had to lie to God about it. And God was swift with his punishment at that point. God doesn't put up with liars. You know, Forbes did a study. They were talking to employees and employers, and they had these lists of attributes, and they asked them to rank them. In the order that was most important then them, one to ten, one being the most important, ten being the less important. I think, this, I think when I was looking at it, the study was done in the early 2000s. It may have been before that. I can't exactly remember what the date on the study was. But out of, the, uh, out of 10,000 employees and 10,000 owners, managers, bosses, whatever, however you want to put that, 90% of them put honesty as the number one most important thing when they're working with people. Honesty was, number, uh, honesty was number one. Being able to uh, be respect, respectful was number two. You know what? In my company, there's a lot of things we can get by. There's a lot of things we can forgive. There's a lot of things we can train you to do better. But one thing they're not going to put up with is you being dishonest. If, if you come in and they ask you why you were at this place for so long... And you tell them all this, and then they find out it wasn't true, you're gone. Because you're stealing money from them. Lying is also dangerous because it's kind of like a gateway sin. If you know, you hear about gateway drugs that could lead to harder drugs. Lying can lead to bigger sins. There's no better example of this than King David. You know, King David saw a woman taking a bath, and she was pretty, and he wanted her. The only problem was she already had a husband, but that didn't stop him. So he went ahead and committed adultery with her and did the things that he shouldn't have, but then there's a problem. She ends up pregnant. What am I going to do now? What are you going to do now, King David? you going to be honest and come clean? No, I know what I can do. I can be dishonest, invite her husband back from the war, get a report from the war, send him home, He'll be with her, and then it'll look like it's his baby. So he does that. But he didn't expect Uriah to be such a stand-up guy. And go, no, if my men can't go home, I'm not going home either. So at that point, what does David do? Am I honest and tell him what happened? No, no, I'm going to get him drunk, and then maybe he'll just go home because his inhibitions will be lowered. He found him the next day out on the temple steps. That didn't work either. So at this point, David, what are you going to do? You going to be honest and tell him what happened? no i got a better idea. I'll give him a letter to take back to his general. And they will say, whenever, I want you to put Uriah at the place where the fighting is the hottest. And whenever it's the most dangerous, I want you to pull back and let him die. That's what they did, and Uriah died that day. Because David didn't want to be honest. His dishonesty led him to commit murder. Now, is your honesty, dishonesty going to lead you to commit murder? Not all the time dishonesty has led to murders. I'm not going to say it hasn't. But just because you're dishonest doesn't mean you're going to kill somebody. But it could lead to other things. But if you do not do so, then take note. You have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. You know what? David thought he did a good job of covering up that Discretion. By being dishonest, having Uriah murdered, but you know what? His sin found him out. He didn't hide it forever. You know what? You may be able to tell the grandest lie and get away with it, but it's not going to last forever. I've told this story here before. Given an application, it seems fitting to do it again. And I'm not doing this to brag on myself because it's not really anything to brag about. But I was about 16, and I had just broken up with a girlfriend, and there was another girl I was chasing, and Probably wasn't really the right kind of girl to be chasing. And there was a party we got invited to. And uh, my parents asked me about the party. I asked her, are their parents going to be there? Is all this guy, oh, yeah, 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 it's all going to be there. It was a bald-faced lie. I knew his parents weren't going to be there. I just didn't want my parents to tell me, no, you can't go. So I ended up going with this girl. I picked her up. We went over to the party. We, we were there for about an hour and a half, and then the alcohol came out. And that's when I decided I needed to leave. So I told her, I go, I'm leaving. You can come with me, or you can stay here. I don't care, but I'm going. Well, she went with me. Well, the cops busted up the party about an hour after I left. So I picked a pretty good time, I thought, to get out of there. Well, the problem was, at that point, I was a member of the varsity football team, and the varsity coach lived in the neighborhood, and he saw all these cop cars, and he decided to drive over there, saw all his team over there. He started getting names from who all was there. My name was on the list, even though I wasn't there at the time. Well, he calls all of our parents together, and he basically tells my mom how I lied to her and how the parents weren't there, alcohol came out. Evidently, I had some pretty good friends, though, and they said, well, he wasn't there when the alcohol came out. He left right when that happened. Well, my coach decided it was starting to get a little bit, we've got to be a little bit politically correct, so he said, I'm going to call his dad. I go, no, no, don't call my dad. Just decide if you're going to punish me or not, but don't call my dad. Please don't call my dad. I told him that. And he goes, uh, no, we're going to call him and see what he wants us to do since you weren't there at the time. And by that point, my mom had already talked to him. That had already lied to him, so he was already pretty upset. And the coach called and said, yeah, they said he wasn't there when the alcohol call came out. He left. He did what he was supposed to do. And my dad said, punish him like the rest. So I got to do 100-yard bear crawls with all the rest of my teammates, and then I got some more when I got home. My sin found me out. It didn't take too long for it to find me out either. In that little town, it took it about... An hour before everybody knew that. Who all was at that party? What all went on at that party? And the fact that the cops were out there at that party and busted a bunch of high school football players with alcohol. It didn't take long at all for my sin to find me out at that point. Was it worth it to me? I'll tell you what, when doing the bear calls, that lie was not worth it. (laughs) Whenever I got home and had to deal with my dad, that lie was not worth it. I'll tell you that right now. But even if I wouldn't have been found out, there would have been a day I would have been found out on that. You may be able to fool me. You may be able to fool the elders. You may be able to fool everybody in this congregation with a lie and never get caught at it. But God knows. God knew about David's lie and the murder to cover it up just like he knew about me lying about that party. And one day, either in this life or the next, it will find you out. And usually, we don't do a good job of lying as we think we do. Normally, people can pretty well tell when you're lying to them, unless you've gotten really good at it. And then at that point, you may be too far down the rabbit hole anyway. Well, let's say I'm an honest person. I don't lie to people. I don't lie in business. Well, that's good. There's another way you can still be dishonest. Self-deception. You ever, ever deceived yourself? Look at that little cat. You think he's... If he went up against that line, you think he'd have a chance? No, but he thinks he does. He thinks he's that big old line. You know, during this series, I'm not sure if anybody has thought this, but if you have, I want to ask you a question. None of this stuff applies to me. I mean, I don't have a problem with any of this. Are you looking in that mirror and seeing what you want? Or are you looking at that mirror and seeing what's really there? And if you are looking at that mirror and saying, I don't have a problem with any of this, what would you have a problem with if we talked about it? Or are you just going to say, I don't have a problem with any of this because I'm all good, because I don't want to really deal with my problems. I don't want to make myself feel bad about myself. I want my self-esteem to be good. You know, it's really easy to look at ourselves with rose-tinted glasses and deceive ourselves. There's going to be a lot of people that deceive themselves right into hell, and I guarantee it. I'm doing just fine. No, you're not. You have problems just like everybody else. It may not be this particular problem, but I guarantee you, if you really look at it, you'll find something that we've talked about over this series that you can have a problem with. And I'm just going to give you two. If you tell me you ain't ever had a problem with anger or pride, you really need to look at yourself. Because one of those two has affected everybody, I can almost guarantee it. And if I'm wrong about that, you can come talk to me, and I'll be glad to talk to you about that. Because I'm pretty sure... We've all had that problem where we got mad and did something we didn't want to, or we got all prideful and didn't handle it the right way. But we deceive ourselves into thinking, well, at least I'm better than this guy. Or at least I'm better than that guy. Are you better than Jesus? Because that's that's what you got to be comparing yourself to. You can compare yourself to me and be better all the time. You can compare yourself to each other and be better all the time. You can find a reason that you're better than me. You can find a reason you're better than the person you're sitting next to. But when you put it on that scale next to Christ, how do you add up? Don't deceive yourselves. Be honest with yourselves about where you're at and do your best to fix it. Don't think you're a lion when you're a little house cat. Another problem with dishonesty is it has a tendency to start out like this. It may start out of that little snowball, where it's just something all nice and little, and I can really take control of it, and it's, it's just all nice and compact, but it also has a tendency to turn into this. And at that point, I can't control it. How does it snowball like that? I believe there are two ways your dishonesty snowballs. Number one is you tell one lie, and then you have to tell another lie to cover that lie, and then by the end of it, you can't even keep track of the amount of lies you told just to cover that first lie you told. That ever happened to you? Well, I was just honest about this now. Now I can't be honest about this or else they'll know I was just honest about that. So I will be... And by the end of it, you're like, man, I just give up. <laughs> I can't keep up with it anymore. Another way is lying can turn into a, a habit. You ever met somebody that lied about something that made absolutely no sense for them to lie about? Why would you lie about that? It makes no difference. It doesn't make you look any better. It doesn't make me look any worse. It's just something you had to say, I guess. 90% of the time, whenever you catch somebody in a lie like that, it's just they've gotten a the habit of lying, and it's hard to break. It could be habit for me. It could be something that's hard to break, and it'll eventually turn into that snowball where you can't control it. And there's ways that you can stop lying. It's not very fun. You have to admit that you have a problem with it, number one. And nobody wants to be known as the dishonest person. And number two, you have to put in the work to fix it. Have an accountability partner. Have somebody that you talk to about that. And actually put in the work to fix it. Or else it will turn into that big snowball that you can't control even if you wanted to. In Proverbs 16, verses 6, 6... Chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. Let's see what God says about lying now. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to run in evil, false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discords among the brethren. Now I want you to notice something. Dishonesty is two of those. <laughs> and they're lumped in with some, pretty things, some things we don't want to be associated with. But dishonesty is linked to two of those. You know, I was talking to Brother Kyle before services, and I said I, when I was doing this, I was looking into perjury, and the penalties for perjury, and they're pretty stiff. I I, told him I saw a guy that was in a murder trial that found out he lied about being an eyewitness, and he ended up getting 15 years in prison for it. For perjuring himself, for bearing a false witness. The government takes zero tolerance with that. It's a felony in many cases. God has zero patience with it as well. That's something he hates. He doesn't like it at all. And again, it's listed with some things we wouldn't necessarily think lying would be associated with. Hands that shed innocent blood, well, that's got to be worse than lying. It's on the same list. So you're telling me if I tell a lie, I'm the same as a person that kills somebody that's innocent? Well, I, I'm just reading it here. God has zero patience for it. But cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, socials, adulterers, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. All liars. It doesn't matter how big of a lie it is or how small of a lie it is. All liars. It can cost you your soul. Your dishonesty can cost you your soul. Your most valuable asset you have. You could have the nicest house, the nicest cars, the nicest piece of land in the state of Texas, and it's not worth as much as your soul is. Watch how a man profited he gain the whole world and lose his own soul. It is the most valuable commodity you have, and your dishonesty can cost you it. Because I want people to think I'm better than what I am, or I don't want to look as bad, or I want to look better than that person, or I don't want to get in trouble. So I'm just going to tell this lie that way it keeps me out of trouble even though it's going to get you in much bigger trouble in the end. You know, whenever I first got this topic, I was wondering what Matt was trying to tell me about myself. But then I realized this is an important topic. Because, you know, you can tell a lie without ever actually moving your lips once. You can tell a lie without ever verbalizing it once. In the way you behave... The way you conduct your business, you don't have to open your mouth and actually tell the lie to be dishonest in business. As a matter of fact, most of the time, you don't want to do that the way you don't get caught being dishonest in business. And it's a slippery slope. Once you tell that first one, it gets easier to tell the next one. And it gets easier to tell the next one. Until it snowballs out of control and you have no control over it anymore. And like I said, it's a gateway sin. It'll lead you to other things that you would have never thought you were capable of doing. You think David thought he was capable of leaving an innocent man to die? You think that's something David would raise his head and say, yeah, that's something I want to do? (laughs) No, but his dishonesty led him to do it. Because he didn't want to take accountability for what he'd actually done. He'd rather been dishonest about it and try to get away with it. You know, the Bible tells us that God will not allow us to be tempted above that which we are able, but with that temptation provide a way of escape. You know what my problem is a lot of the times? I'm not looking for the way of escape. I'm looking for the way for me to do it and get by with it without you knowing about it. That's just as honest. I'm going to try my best to get away with this. That way you don't and you not find out about it. That way you still think I'm the great guy you think I am. Instead of looking for that way of escape and taking it. You know, I could have taken that way of escape at that party. I could have said, no, I'm not going and doing that. But I didn't want to be the one that wasn't cool. I didn't want to be the one that never got invited to any more parties. So I decided, yeah, I'll go ahead and lie to my parents and go ahead and go do that. I could have taken the other way. But at the time I took it, it wasn't there as fun. I go, man, maybe if I do this, I can do both and they won't even know about it. That didn't work out very well. Sometimes we can outsmart ourselves with those, that kind of thinking. And the problem is sometimes that kind of thinking can cost you the most valuable asset you have. Because I want to look better on this earth, I'm going to jeopardize my soul for eternity just so I can look a little better for a little bit right now. Whenever in the big scheme, scheme of things, you're not going to look any worse. We all have problems. We all do things we shouldn't do, but because you don't want people to know your problems, it's going to cost you your soul instead of rather being honest about it. You know, one of the most honest things I've ever heard was the letter Vernon had us read last week. That was honesty. How many times, though, would we rather hide those kind of things? That way people may not think poorly. People may think a little bit less of me if I do that. You know what, I actually think a lot more of Brother Vernon now for doing that. But it's our ego. It's the pride we talked about last week that gets in the way of us being honest a lot of the times. Because we don't want people to think less of us. You know, I haven't hit a whole lot of practical application. We have three guys I think are going to be doing that. I didn't want to step on them too much. But one thing you need to keep in mind when you're doing this when we're talking about dishonesty is you could be the most honest person and deceive yourself right into hell. Because you think you're doing so great and you're not being honest with yourself about how you're doing and you fool yourself into looking in that mirror thinking I'm doing just fine whenever you're really not. Because I want to look at myself and think good things about myself instead of seeing the bad. You know, we'd all rather see all the good things about ourselves than see the bad. But don't deceive yourself. That's the number one thing. And if you think you can get by with being dishonest, you're deceiving yourself. Because you may be able to get by with it on this earth. But there's going to be a time when you stand before God and he's going to ask you about everything you said that was dishonest in your life. And you're going to go, oh, I didn't think anybody knew about that. (laughs) Somebody always knows. Be honest with yourself, be honest with each other, and that when you stand before God, you won't have to answer for the lies that you told in this life, if you haven't told any. I mean, that seems pretty obvious, right? When you boil it all down, that's what it comes down to. This world is rampant with dishonesty. People think that's the way of life today. In order to get ahead, you've got to lie. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. You know, there was a football coach that said that. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. Well, I guess the Patriots try an awful lot, but... If you're not cheating, you're not trying. Is that the way we want to raise our kids? Is that the way we want people we want to be? Where we build ourselves up by being a dishonest bunch of people that don't tell the truth? Nobody wants that reputation, but unfortunately people get that reputation because that's the way we are. That's the way people are. We want people to look at us and go, look at how great he is. Instead of admitting we have problems and all, we might slide down that list just a little bit. (laughs) Be honest with each other. Be honest with yourself. And above all, be honest with God. Don't think you're going to get anything past God because you're not. He sees all. He knows all. And he even knows what you're thinking. You know, Have you ever heard somebody say, I didn't mean it that way? God knows whether you meant it that way or not. I may not know whether you meant it that way or not. But God knows exactly what you mean by what you do. So let's do our best to be the most honest people we can. Do it in a loving, tender way. Don't be the jerks me and my sister were to each other at times when my dad told us to be honest with each other. But be an honest people. And you'll have a good name that way too. People will want to do business with you, people will trust you. You know what's amazing? It takes a lifetime to build up somebody's trust. It takes one lie to destroy every bit of it. And then you have to start all over building it back up, if you ever can. Let's be an honest, trustworthy people. Have good names. Be honest with each other. Be honest with ourselves. And again, most importantly, be honest with God, and we'll be much better off for it. And again... I would venture to bet there's not somebody in here that can say they've been honest their entire life, that everything they've done has been honest. If you have, congratulations. I want to know how exactly you accomplished that, and we can talk after services because I believe at some point everybody can look back and see something they did that was a little bit dishonest. But we can do better. We can vow to do better, and God will forgive us if we admit where we failed him and where we failed each other and where we fell short. But we've got to be willing to do that. If you have fallen short in honesty or any of the other things we've covered in this series, God can and will forgive you for those things. All you have to do is ask. Won't you do it as we stand and sing?